Hi guys, Lakitika and welcome to the Urge podcast. Ready to host your ears and mind for the next few minutes. How are you guys doing today? Well, I'm super excited uh, and I will get to that in a second. Today's podcast is about grief and loss and how to deal with these emotions in a healthy way. There's a reason I wanted to talk about this and it is mainly because of our recent circumstances. COVID-19 brought upon a lot of devastation amongst families across the world. There are many emotions that we all have felt, and I just felt that grief and loss is something that is a hard topic to go into, and we often don't know how to cope, whether we are grieving or just trying to be there for someone experiencing it. I have exciting, I have an exciting guest here today to talk to us about grief and loss, Rocky Bikram. She's a psychologist in private practice in Durban North. She works with couples, individuals, and corporates, and is committed to eliminating mental, the mental health stigma. How are you doing today, Rocky? Hi, Nikita. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm doing as well as could be under the circumstances. And I hope that everyone listening as well is doing the best that they can wherever they are right now. Oh, that's wonderful. Rocky, I'm so honored to have you on the podcast, especially to hear your advice and just to be able to learn today. Uh, so let's get into it. Um, so you're a psychologist and um, I can imagine being in this position, uh, you've experienced quite a variety of human emotions. Um grief and loss being a main topic of today's discussion can you say what can you say has been your general observation about uh, grief and loss So Rakita like I was saying to you earlier I think in this year I've dealt with more grief and loss in my practice than I have in 13 years of practice put together uh grief and loss is always difficult for us but with the pandemic and with the added restrictions it's just made this grieving process even more complicated for the bereaved but also for the loved ones who want to support them so it's been a really really difficult time uh additionally because of all the complications brought about by the pandemic well yeah and i can imagine it's been really difficult for everyone uh dealing with the grief due to covid um i did some research before I spoke to you today and uh just to expand my knowledge on uh grief and the different perspectives and I've seen there seems to be stages of grief. Do you feel that people you've um well had to counsel uh etc have do- dealt with grief in the exact stages? Do they deal with everything? Are they impacted the same way as everyone with grief or is it different for everyone? This is such a brilliant question. So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who came up with the stages of grief very interestingly we applied to people who are grieving. Interestingly she came up with this for stages of the dying. So the stages of grief were initially meant to describe someone who's diagnosed with a terminal illness and how they dealt with uh, the thought of their life coming to an end soon. However we see the similar process in those who are grieving a loved one. but the grieving or the stages of grieving are definitely not linear so there's denial anger uh, bargaining depression uh, depression and acceptance which are the five stages we look at they definitely not linear in that we think well right now at the stage and that is where i'm going to next and then it follows a very predictable cause 
grief is different for every single person. It looks different on everyone. So there's no one look, there's no one straightforward process that everyone goes to. We might skip some of the stages. We might start somewhere and go backwards and go back and forth several times. It's a messy and complicated process. So if you are grieving, I just want to say, be easy on yourself because it is really difficult. Your grief does not look or need to look like someone else's grief in order for it to be valid. That whatever it feels like for you, it is valid for you. And that is important. Wow, yeah. Um, being a friend or a family member of someone who has lost a loved one, uh, what would your advice be to better connect to the person who is grieving? Uh, it is often difficult for people to connect with someone on a deeper level after they've lost a loved one especially if the friend or family member hasn't experienced what they're going through exactly. Uh, so what would be your advice or how to, how to be there for them in a difficult time? I think we often struggle with how to empathize with others, especially like you said, if you haven't been in a similar position, if you haven't lost a parent, you might not know what it's like. However, human emotions are universal. So human experiences might not be universal. We might not all experience the same thing, but emotions such as anger, disappointment, anxiety, we all know those feelings. So yes. the way to empathize with others is to try to recognize what they're feeling. When we know a loved one is grieving, it's very awkward for us because we don't know what the right thing is to say. And when people feel awkward or uncomfortable, even though they want to be supportive, we might become avoidant. We might stay away from the other person or keep a distance and we aren't supporting them the way that we best can. So the first and most important thing I want to say is if you know a loved one who's grieving, your job in supporting them is not to take the pain away. There is nothing that you are going to say that is going to take their pain away. So we need to take the pressure off us and of the other person that there are no magical words to say that's going to make it okay. But what we want to do is to be present and hold space for them. This is the most powerful thing you can do. And the best friend you can be is someone who allows the other person to experience what they're experiencing without expecting them to change it in any way. So what do we say? Be strong. It's going to be okay. But right now they're not okay and they don't need to be okay. But you know, when, when we need to empathize with someone, it means tapping into that in us. And we don't want to because it makes us vulnerable. So the easier thing to say is it will be okay. Time heals. Guess what? Time doesn't heal. Uh, it's one of the biggest lies that we've been told about grief. So the best way to support someone is to be fully present without expecting them to change anything about the way that they're feeling. Uh, to be present, to listen with curious compassion. Uh, don't ask questions that are not helpful to them. And sometimes, especially during COVID, we ask questions for our curiosity rather than to support them. How did it happen? How did they die? How did they get COVID? Does it matter to the person who's grieving when they're in a lot of pain? So be mindful of the questions that you're asking. Think about what you might need if you were in that situation. So think about someone who's grieving with restrictions on socializing. What would they need? And be thoughtful in little ways. You might not have the right words to say, but then you can ask, how can I best support you? I want to be here for you. Or uh, I'm sending over a meal tomorrow night. Would you like chicken or fish? So it's not even saying, let me know if you need anything. They're not going to let you know. But 
offer them something concrete to say, I would love to go uh, to join you for a walk on the beach, if that would be calming for you. Let me know which would be a good day. Do you prefer a weekday or weekend? Do you prefer morning or evening? So you're offering something concrete. It's very difficult for, for people to just take you up in an offer when there isn't a, a concrete offer. When you say, call me if you need anything. Let me know if there's anything I can do. Someone who's grieving won't. So think about what you can offer to them and do it. And there's some things we don't have to be asked for. You can drop off a care package. You can drop off groceries or some treats for them. Things that you, you know, you know that, uh, they might need, or they have a pet that you could walk for them because they might not have the energy to do it. So think about thoughtful things you could do that would make their grief a little bit easier for them. Oh, that's really wonderful. I actually didn't really think about it in that way of giving someone concrete um, uh, choices, as so you say, just to ask them, like, you know, what uh, can I drop off groceries for you, etc. Uh, that's actually, that's a really lovely perspective on it. And I think I'll definitely use that. Um, when someone loses a loved one, uh, people often turn to professional, uh, such as a psychologist, for assistance or advice. Um, is there a set textbook manner on how you deal with this or is it individual? So I think the first thing we need to recognize is so at some time we're all going to experience grief. Um, and grief is normal. So when you lose a loved one, it's not meant to be easy and you were not meant to be okay. So not everyone experiencing grief needs to see a psychologist. So sometimes we want to pressurize others that you need to see someone. And and I mean, I've had it, there was a loss on the day and family members call me on the same day to, to see the, like, can you please see them because there's a loss. And the truth is that as human beings, we still have to process what's happened that therapy is not going to help you if you haven't even, you know, processed and, and accepted what has happened. So I would say professional help is necessary when you're struggling to get through your daily, your day, when you're struggling to do the things you need to do, get up, have a bath, go to work, focus on your studies, etc. Uh, when you're really struggling in that way. So the first thing is to normalize that grief is really hard and messy. Of course, it is helpful to speak to someone and to gain that perspective because everyone copes differently because grief is different for everyone there is never a one-sized-fits-all method so when you go to therapy you know the therapist will obviously listen to you and depending on what you need to get from the session they would tailor the help that they give to you so it is very individualized of course the guidelines we follow um, so that we can follow best practices meaning that the treatment psychologist offer should be ethical in that we should do evidence-based treatment. That means there needs to be evidence that the treatment works, not just something that we think is gonna work. And many people think that therapy is just a conversation. You know, I hear things like, well, I have a friend I can talk to, I have a partner that I can mm. talk to. Therapy is not just a conversation. It's a trained professional who has skills, who has strategies that they will equip you with to cope. It's based on science. So it's not just talking to someone. And sometimes we have uh, the mindset, well, what is therapy going to do? It's not going to bring them back. But if you went in with that expectation, of course, that is not going to happen. But in order to go to therapy, you also need to know why you're going. So it helps you recognize whether you're getting the help or got the help that you needed from the, from the experience. So knowing I want to be able to sleep better at night. I want to be able to focus on my studies again. I want to be able to move forward and experience some joy in my life despite the grief. So when you go to therapy, know what you're hoping to get out of it so you can get the best help possible for you where you are at the time. 
Okay, so you know, I mainly ask that question just to so people who are confused about uh, what therapy does when you know when you lose a, a, lost, a loved one. Uh, many people have that uh, exact expectation, like how is it going to bring the person back, or what is, how is it going to benefit me? But you're right; you should definitely go there with the expectation that's uh, realistic, such as getting better sleep or being able to do certain yes. things. Uh, talking about coping mechanisms, when someone loses a loved one, what are the best coping mechanisms that you can equip them with? The first thing to do is to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. We get so scared to feel because I guess we think we'll we'll fall apart. And then how do we, you know, how do we function? How do we study? How do we take care of kids? Or what about our family members? We don't want to worry them further with what we're going through. Nothing bad will happen when you allow yourself to feel your feelings. So give yourself the time and space to grieve. What we resist persists. So if you try to avoid it, and there are many ways we avoid it, we act strong, we keep ourselves really busy with work, with studies, um, binge watching Netflix, scrolling on social media, taking over the counter medication that we shouldn't be taking, uh, we do or, or sometimes substances. So we use many of these harmful or, or non-helpful strategies but we're prolonging the inevitable. Eventually, your emotions will come to the surface and you'll have to deal with it. But rather deal with it in a controlled way where you decided that I will make time and space so I can heal. Just take a few minutes each day where this is your special time to think about the loved one that you lost, to check in with yourself, to identify the emotion that you were feeling, to sit quietly and notice where in my body do I feel it and just allow yourself to feel it. Without thinking about the past, because we tend to replay events about the past, and without worrying about the future, give yourself the time to just be present and notice what the grief feels like right now. And as messy and as uncomfortable as it might feel, keeping your mind in the present and allowing yourself to just notice and feel the feelings will always make it less overwhelming, never more overwhelming. We overwhelm ourselves more when we replay past events in our minds, past events that we cannot change, or when our minds are focused on the future and fear of what's going to happen in future. Um, and, and this is one of the realistic things that people do come to therapy with, that they can't let go of the past or that they're really afraid of what the future looks like um, because of this loss that's occurred. Interestingly, people don't talk enough about the part in us that dies when we lose a loved one. When we lose someone who's a close part of ourselves, we don't just lose them. We lose part of who we were, that part of our lives that involved them, the future that we planned with them in mind. And that is a very difficult and vulnerable place to be. So be present with your feelings. Talk about it. Talk about your feelings, though, to someone who is safe for you, who's emotionally safe, someone who is able to listen, to hold that space for you, someone who's not going to tell you to stay positive and be strong, someone who is confident enough to allow you to feel and give you that space. When we feel heard, we begin to heal. Uh, there's great power in, in feeling heard, in feeling seen, in having our pain witnessed. Um, I, To be honest, as a psychologist, I felt extremely helpless 
uh, during this pandemic because it was the first for us. Nobody's trained us to deal with the pandemic. Nobody's ever trained us to deal with this type of grief. And when I had the overwhelming grief and listening to stories of how hospitals were full and waiting in parking lots, hoping to get a bed in hospital or not being able to see your loved one because of COVID, uh, I initially asked myself, how am I even going to help others with this? I was terrified about doing this until I learned what my patients wanted. They wanted someone who could witness their pain, someone who could be present, who was prepared to listen without any expectation, who allowed them to be and to just feel. And when someone witnessed that pain, they started to heal. And it's amazing the healing that I've seen from that grief. Uh, and it's something, I mean, we know, but, but I've learned obviously during the pandemic, because it's a first for us, even as professionals. But normally we don't know how to do this. When we care about someone and we see them crying, we want them to stop crying. But actually it's not for them, it's for our comfort. Crying is good for them. They need to cry so they can eventually feel better. So reaching out to people who are safe for you. And if you don't have that in your friend group or in your family, reach out to a professional person, journal, make time to do things that fill your cup um, and turn to spirituality if that is something that's important in your life. Uh, at some point, we've got to think about the bigger meaning. Often we grieve death and loss because we're attached to someone without thinking about the bigger picture and asking more important questions such as, is death necessarily a bad thing? Um, for the person that we have lost? What is our belief system about why we suffer? Why we die? What happens when we die? And I don't mean that you need to delve into deep things that's going to take a lot from you, but it's important to ask the bigger things. One of the things I hear very, very commonly, and it's a normal experience that people say, I don't pray anymore. I don't believe in God because God robbed me of this. And, and I naturally ask like, where and when did God promise you that any of us were going to live forever? So God hasn't broken a promise from us. So, you know, when we can, uh, you, we can, when we can tap into our spirituality and our belief system, and I'm not saying that you must believe in God, whatever it is that you believe in, it's important. But each of us need to turn to our own belief systems uh, because that is where we find meaning. And our greatest healing comes when we can find meaning in our suffering, when we can uh, learn to live again without this person, to recognize that just because we're getting on with our lives, and we're doing other things that we're not forgetting, that healing is important for us. And healing does not mean that you stopped loving or stopped missing the person that you lost. Uh, just going back into what you said about like uh, people holding in uh, emotions, uh, being too scared to be messy and vulnerable. Uh, when people are faced with a traumatic event, uh, many addressing loss, uh, people often feel it's too much to handle and uh, they need to bottle up their feelings subconsciously sometimes. Uh, what advice can you say uh, to give to the people who do who think that is a better way to handle um, mm -hmm. their emotions uh, in the long run? Yes. So remember, like I said, whatever we don't face, whatever we choose to not deal with gets worse over time. It never gets better. It will eventually affect you down the line. And sometimes we've been conditioned. We perhaps grew up in a family where it was not okay to show emotions. 
uh, you know, where maybe others were not comfortable with emotions. Some of us in childhood were told not to cry or crying is weak. So we need to look at how we develop these beliefs in the first place, that it was not okay. And the one thing that we should be grateful for is that we live in an age where there's a lot of information at our disposal. There's a lot of knowledge we can get. So you don't necessarily have to see a psychologist to get information. You know, there are books, there's the internet where there's free information. But of course, use caution when you're accessing free information please know that you know ensure that the person who's written that information is someone that's a reliable source an expert really on the field uh, so we know enough about what happens when we bottle emotions up um, and then we need to find the safe spaces of course if you grew up in a family where it was not acceptable you're going to feel uh, kind of punished in a sense for speaking up because maybe you'll be shut down or told it's okay or stop crying. So you have to access your safe people in order to feel, in order to heal. Take those safe spaces for yourself as well, even away from others. Whether it's a walk on the beach or being alone in your bedroom where you allow yourself that time to just cry and to be present. Okay, I see. And uh, just a question that's always been in my mind. Uh, when someone goes through grief, I know it's a very strong emotion and uh, for someone to go through something uh, so horrible to lose someone that they love, would you say it changes a person? I'm talking about like in terms of the coping mechanism, how they deal with stress, uh, even their outlook on life. Uh, what would you say has been something you observed with people in terms of changing? Yeah, so there will be change for sure because losing a loved one brings about a big change in our lives. Like I said, it's not just the absence of that person, it's what our life is now without the person. What will our future be without this person? Because we've envisioned it. If you lose a spouse, you know, when you get married, you're expecting to spend the rest of your lives or your life with them. And now that they're not here, you don't know what your future looks like. When you lose a parent, you think of, I wanted them at my graduation and that's going to be really sad. I wanted them at my wedding or for whatever else, you know, you have planned or we're looking forward to in your life. So yes, it does change us. And we can choose how things change us. So uh, it's natural to sometimes uh, for things to change us in a negative way, where we have a negative outlook on life. We might become cynical and not believe and not trust. And we can ask the question, how could this have happened to help me in my journey? How could this help me grow into something? So one of the terms that uh, we believe in is post-traumatic growth. We hear a lot about post-traumatic stress uh, and we don't talk often enough about post-traumatic growth, how we grow from trauma. And I'm not saying that we must grow or we must look on the bright side about what was just going to happen, but over time, uh, in the midst of it, it's very difficult to see anything positive uh, because we're filled with negative emotion, which is normal. But over time to ask, how could this happen for me? Uh, what positive transformation has happened in me? What do I know now that I didn't know before? How am I more equipped for this world now? What has it taught me about how I want to live my life differently or what is more important to me in life? And sometimes it takes great tragedy for us to question the meaning of life or what we want out of life. Well, that's always something I've been wondering about, you know, like how grief changes us. And I think it's a, it's a different perspective to look at it. You know, how does it impact me in a positive way? Uh, this is a qu the next question I have for you. Uh, it's not really related to grief and loss, but because I know that you are dealing with mental the mental health stigma and trying to eliminate it, I wanted to ask you, 
what is your perspective or what would you say, uh, what's your take on it when someone doesn't believe in psychology or doesn't believe that it benefits mental health? Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends on the context in which the conversation comes up. Um, we don't want to get debates, uh, you know, we don't want to get into debates with people, but I would look at it from a place of curiosity instead of imposing the opposite view on them. I would ask out of curiosity, you know, what has happened that's led you to believe that? Have you ever read anything or, or taken time to read anything to uh, the contrary of what it is you believe? One of the ways in which we grow as human beings is to read opinions that are different from our own opinions. So if we if we believe strongly in something, to listen to the other person's argument as well. So it helps us to listen to their argument, uh, but we must also choose our battles. Uh, and if someone says, well, I don't believe in psychology, uh, to ask, you know, have you had any experience with it? If you feel especially something to help them to say, you know what, would you try? Or um, how can you find out in a way without committing to going to therapy? Would you be willing to try one session, follow one psychologist on social media just to see what they say, or, or maybe to think differently, or you know, do you know enough to maybe make that call that psychology is, uh, uh, you know, not useful? And often when we hear such comments, it comes from those who have had experiences, but they generalize experiences. So they might have had an experience of someone in their family who, and and I know Indian families a lot of the time don't use terms like depression or bipolar mood disorder. They say things like he has nerves. You know, so so that we use terms that again perpetuate the stigma, and people don't get the help. Or we'll say they were on medication and it made them crazy. Medication doesn't make you crazy, but we have the wrong idea of it. Sometimes someone might have a very serious mental illness. Say, for example, they had schizophrenia and they were on medication because uh, maybe they were hallucinating, for example. And sometimes we have the misconception that the medication made them do that, which is not true. So if we're saying someone is depressed or anxious could benefit from therapy, their only frame of reference is someone with this very serious psychiatric condition. And they they link the two and associate the two. And there actually is not an association with them because the treatment for the two would be completely different. So sometimes people have fears for genuine reasons that have happened, but it's because they've made correlations between things that should not have been correlated in the first place. So when we listen with curiosity before just defending and, and offering our uh, opinion, we would learn about where their fear comes from. Yeah, that's also a really good way to look at it. I like to use that... Um how can I say that method or so, just to listen from curiosity with anything in life, because sometimes yes. we feel so strongly about something such as religion, politics, anything. Yes. But when you listen with curiosity, you just gain more information. Um, but yeah, everyone is different. That's what I believe, that everyone has their own opinions and perspectives. Uh, so thank. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time uh, out today to share your knowledge and experiences with us. Uh, here at the Urge Podcast, we value emotions, thoughts, feelings, and overall experiences as, like you said before, these experiences actually uh, are so important. They are important parts of our lives and contribute towards the decisions and choices that we make. Um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to, uh, to talk to you about today was grief and loss. And I've definitely gained a lot of information. Uh, your, your advice is very insightful and I definitely will be using that and practicing it in my life uh, wherever it needs. Uh, thank you once again, and I hope that we can have many more chats like this in the future because I really do enjoy. I follow you on Instagram, actually. 
that's how I heard of you. And all of your little videos on TikTok and your post and all the information and advice is definitely quite helpful. And I wish you some of it as well. So uh, lovely talk today. And um, so from me to my listeners, I hope that today's episode helps someone out there, uh, whether it be you are trying to be there for someone who is grieving, mourning, or you are going through uh, a uh, stage of grief, uh, wherever it be. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, yeah, that's it for me today. Mm-hmm.